Jimmy, the people at home, they all want to know. It's the same question I've been asking month after month after month. So let me do it one more time. Jimmy, what are you working on, man? I am working on a five-subject notebook collection of my ballpoint pen drawings. Okay, well, what did you finish? <laughs> <laughs> That's a better question, Ed. I finished Hulk Grand Design. Uh, we all know what the Grand Design projects are, and uh, mine happens to be the Incredible Hulk. I've described it in the past as a dream project, uh, probably the character at Marvel in DC that I feel the most, uh, I don't know, childhood nostalgic connection to. And uh, that's what I've been working on for the last year and a half through the pandemic, through the lockdown, the stay at home. It has been uh, Hulk, Hulk, and more Hulk. So like, if I had a sword on one shoulder, one shoulder, there it is, man. You are anointed, part of the Grand Design universe, dude. One, one of the points of just even doing it was to create a series of comics that single creators can put together. Tom did uh, Fantastic Four Grand Design. So of course the Holy Trinity, Pittsburgh cartoonists, man, includes you in the Pantheon. So Incredible Hulk Grand Design. I think you could have chosen whatever you wanted, but you chose Hulk. Yeah, there's no other choice for me. You know, uh, one, it's one of Marvel's big characters, but this is the character that I have any connection to as a kid. Like whenever I was six, I had a Hulk bowl and a Hulk cup, and that's what I would eat my cereal and drink juice out of every morning. And uh, you know, that, that was the only choice for me. I used to uh, love to skip church and watch the Incredible Hulk television show. That's when it was on TV. And, you know, Hulk's a monster. Like, it's, uh, it's as close as I get to some kind of superhero that I'm interested in and, and thought I could do something fun with. Describe the format of the, of the project. Uh, I don't know if you have, like, exact release schedule, but what, what shape does it take, amount of issues, etc.? Yeah, it's going to be two issues uh, coming out March 2022 and April uh, 2022. And each one is kind of not completely standalone because it is one big story, but there's a very neat break. So they're going to be presented as Hulk uh, Grand Design Monster will be the first book and Hulk Grand Design Madness will be the second book. And uh, the break occurs around issue 300. And if you have read, I don't know, 500 issues of the Hulk, you'll know that's a pretty good break point. For the first 300 issues or so, Hulk is pretty much the green monster um, fighting different monsters, which was a really interesting sort of uh, struggle <laughs> in the beginning, a challenge, if you will, as to like, how does this make sense or how does this make a narrative? But then after 300, you start to see Bill Mantlo's ideas. And then, of course, Peter David comes on and they do a lot of interesting character development. And it's a very different, mm, I wouldn't say a different character, but it's a different book at that point. So uh, that's kind of the breakdown of the two issues. Were there any revelations? Like, it sounds like you did a lot of research, read a lot of Incredible Hulk <laughs> comics. Any revelations uh, in the kind of pantheon of Incredible Hulk creators. I remember very early, there's uh, Steve Ditko slash uh, Jack Kirby collaborations, which you don't get to see often. There's a really good one early that's uh, Jack Kirby with Bill Everett inking over him. I don't know how many issues that runs, but it runs for a few, and that's fantastic. Bill Everett, man, brought this like uh, very line-heavy kind of approach to inking Kirby, and that stuff looks super cool. Everybody knows Herb Trimpey, love Herb Trimpey, great Hulk artist. The one that surprised me is Sal Buscema, mm -hmm. a really good Hulk artist. And he would draw Hulk as like this squat, almost like a pyramid shape that, that really made it feel powerful, made the character feel like, yes, he can lift up a mountain. The stuff stands out as being 
that's that's a Hulk that I remember. So uh, for the viewers at home, they're seeing the stack of note cards uh, to the to the right. Uh, I'm imagining you're reading 500 <laughs> issues of Incredible Hulk, and uh, this is how you're structuring your story somehow. Um, this was a record for me, and and they aren't in order. But if I if I show off a few, what you see is kind of like the big, you know, who's the character in this issue? Most of the time it's who's he fighting, you know, or what stands out? Like here's one from 222, Jim Starlin art. Um, not necessarily something that I'm going to incorporate into the story, but I was just trying to like, how do you order 500 comics? How do you even read 500 comics? So this was my first read through was like, just kind of write down what goes on in that issue. Sometimes it'd be a couple of issues worth, but it's almost an issue by issue summary of like, What's the important part of this particular issue to, you know, start to try to shape this? Like, how do you turn 500 issues into 80 pages? Mm -hmm. and, and how did you do that? I mean, you, got, you have to put multiple issues on one page sometimes. Yeah, you do. Um, you know, and we talked a lot about this stuff when you were doing X-Men Grand Design and whenever Tom was doing Fantastic Four. And one of the things that uh, I'm a big fan of advertising, that was a big piece, like each of these pages became kind of like approach it like a page of advertising so I would do things like uh, you know I'll hold up a, a sample page that's a good that's a good one the money <laughs> shot man this is the McFarlane era absolutely but I would do things like you know maybe I'd have like a, a comic book shown on it um, sometimes shown in the in your comic right you know you can kind of, you can see the edge there is like the how do you do this top. you know it's a very iconic classic image probably one of the most famous Hulk covers so what do you want to do interesting there and one is draw a little bit of my own drawing on top of the composition but also like acknowledge that it's a comic book you know in this case um, and you know it, it varies from page to page but there are pages where like I'm doing 10 to 20 issues you know because maybe not a lot happens uh, I have one page where it's almost like stickers of all the different characters that he's fighting over the course of you know, I've been doing fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, and now we're gonna jump. We're gonna do two two years worth of comics on this page. And uh, it's kind of like a cool Hulk pose and then what look like stickers of all these characters that, that would have appeared in that run. So um, most of, uh, if you read my comics, like Street Angel, for example, I would do all the Street Angels as two page spreads. That was my image. So I would do two pages at a time and it was basically, you know, a spread in every case. For the Hulk, it was one page at a time because it's more dense. Um, and again, going back to that advertising, posters was something that we talked a lot about. I want these pages to be money shots. Yeah. You know, like this is, it's a best of, it's uh, everything I love about the Hulk. It's a dream project. So it's what do I wanna draw? And essentially I wanna draw a cool page after cool page, but still with the structure of like the 500 issues of The Incredible Hulk. So that's got the, uh, the McFarlane energy uh, you mentioned how Buscema's Hulk is interesting. Are you doing little nods to to these other Hulk artists? You mentioned Lou Ferrigno. Any kind of Lou Ferrigno uh, homages? I do have a Lou Ferrigno in there. Um, I haven't heard yet from editorial if that one's approved or not. Um, well, you should definitely show it off. I have a, uh, a Peter David in there. So you this drew is Peter David. <laughs> this is one. This is like one issue's worth of the original art. Oh, that's a hundred thousand dollars right and there. And then maybe. the other issue I had already filed away in you know one of these. Uh, binders and you can see you know these binders hold I don't know 48 pages or something not a standard size issue like completely full but I, I packed it in there so that it would be something that I could look at like a book Dave you know Mandel, so it's yeah. it's in uh, it's in pages are in order for that reason and I'll see if I can find uh, 
find a Lou Ferrigno in here somewhere. That was the thing that struck me as you were showing off pages. Like every page, there's something visually interesting going on. You could show any of that stuff. Yeah, I'll hold up this one. Um, hopefully the glare won't be too bad. But this is a chance to do, this is a reference to Rampaging Hulk, the magazine, right. uh, the black and white era. So for that to work, you know, you got to do an ink wash and you can see like the little ink wash samples up top here. It's gorgeous. But uh, let's, let's see a picture of Lou Ferrigno because again, it gets meta. And then it's like, how do you frame Lou Ferrigno and the, uh, you know, the Hollywood version of Hulk? You've within, got that Bill Bixby up in there. Within the Hulk, you know, universe. And uh, the idea is like, this is sold to Hollywood as based on a true story kind of thing. Um, by the way, this is that Jim Starlin reference page uh, facing it. That, so. That's sick, dude. You know what, the, the line quality of that uh, Ferrigno looking piece, it reminds me of the best of the Herb Trimpey uh, issues that were inked by John Severin. Like oh, the, I thought you were going to say Marie Severin inked some of his stuff. Yeah, I, I've never seen those. But but the John Severin ones, like the one that introduces Doc Savage, it, what is that the guy's name? The Doc Samson. Doc Samson. It felt wrong saying it. <laughs> that, that's like one of my favorite issues of, of the comic and seeing John Severin over top of uh, Trimpy, the line quality is very similar. Yeah, that makes uh, makes that sense. And I mean, those, those are... Marie Severin's look very similar. It's a very similar inking approach. And I think she inked more issues probably. I think there was a run where she did that. I think she would do covers too, uh, but on her own, not just uh, over Trimpy. But yeah, a lot of good artists, uh, you know, as you go through these issues. Are you saying we're gonna be uh, covering some, some Incredible Hulk issues as episodes uh, while, while promoting this book? Yeah, I think that's a, a definite. What are some of those things that we're gonna have to uh, put under the microscope, man? Is everybody gonna have to go run out and buy their Del Keones <laughs> ahead of time? Del Keone, man, is, is the near and dear to my heart. This is my, uh, you know, my, my Del Keone uh, homage here. You can see, I forget what issue it is, but it's the, the cover with Hulk like merging. And so that's oh, my right. shape of the Hulk and then, you know, the gray and green Hulks clashing in the middle. Uh, so definitely Del Keown was the guy who was doing Hulk whenever I was buying Hulk off the stands. Um, there'll be some of those. Sam Keith has that wonderful fill-in issue, which we've already looked at, but that's, you know, that's kind of a standout and I have an homage to Sam Keith's issue uh, in here as well. Um, Jeff Purvis? That's up? another one, man. Loved. He literally was the artist on Hulk whenever I started. And it was very awesome because that's the Mr. Fix-It. The, the Joe Fixit Hulk in Vegas. And that's what got me into buying comics. Cause I would go to Walden Books and look at the spinner rack and it was like, what is this gray Hulk? And I got to the point where it's like, I gotta know. And ended up buying a Marvel Comics Presents with gray Hulk in it. Cause I didn't know any better. Right. Um, needed to buy the Hulk issue. But the Jeff Purvis stuff, as far as I know, that's really the only comics he did. I think he and went to animation good. or something. They're, they're really strong and they get stronger. He does it for, I don't know, 15 issue run or something. You can see him get stronger throughout that run, like really develop. If he'd have stuck in comics, it's hard to tell what his ceiling was. They uh, always talk about the, the Chris Claremont run on X-Men, 17 years, blah, blah, blah. Peter David had a pretty big run, man. And you read it all to uh, to, to put your comic together. <laughs> Is his entire run the the, la the, 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 the second issue? Yeah, I, I um, was trying to figure out, you know, where do you cut this off? Because obviously, I, I think I end around 2000 or so, but you know, like, Hulk still continues to this day. And uh, Peter David made sense to me as to where to end it. And the way that series works is like he wrote it almost to the end of the series. And then I don't know if he left under the best circumstances. I feel like he had to cut a storyline short or there was some difference of opinion. But then the series basically ends shortly after he leaves. I think they, they you know, tie up a few loose ends 
and figure out whatever they're going to do, relaunch it as a new number one maybe. Um, but I, I did, I stuck it through to the end of the Incredible Hulk run. And then I have an epilogue with a few pieces that, you know, there's there's some exciting stuff that happens after uh, after I stop reading. Like, um, oh, you guys might have heard of World War Hulk. So, oh, you're going to sell 100,000. You're showing that <laughs> off right there, baby. There's some, you know, it goes back to that idea of like advertising and posters. Like some of these things are just really involved moments. And, uh, you know, World War Hulk, how could you do Hulk and not not at least touch it? That's like the ultimate all time Marvel storyline. What are those two images right there? So, there are your cover oh, originals. Oh, that is sick, dude. Uh, Gray Hulk, Mr. Fix-It on one side, and of course Green Hulk on the other side. And man, I'm pretty excited for, for how these turned out. I can't wait to see them in print. Um, don't wanna go too far down all of this process stuff, but one of the things that I was doing was trying to figure out like, how do you make these blown up faces look like blown up panels? And how do you get ink bleeds? <laughs> so, you know, I would print out my separations and then scan them and blow them up. And you can see, you know, printing them at different sizes on actual newsprint to uh, try to get these kinds of effects and textures and, and to bring that part to life. Process junkies, man. We're process junkies. And you can bet I'll be showing this stuff off on my uh, on all of my social media for the next year as, uh, as this ramps up, definitely. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, Speaking of process, most of it drawn with uh, with markers, probably like nine percent of this. Fine liners, um, really a variety of markers. Uh, you know, whatever I could get, uh, microns, things like that, and really ended up enjoying using those. By the end, you know, I, I use all kinds of different tools. People that follow me know I draw on ballpoint pens, I draw with brushes, all this stuff. But I started drawing with these markers and enjoyed it, uh, partially for the lettering. You know, it really helped with the lettering, and then it just became this. I don't know, convenient tool, you know, because some of these are inked with nibs and inked with brushes, but by the end, it was pretty much all markers and to the point that I'm still doing commissions and drawings in markers because like you get used to these tools. Like I feel like I really got good at using the markers as, uh, as pages went by. I see a lot of thick and thins. Yeah, and you know, a variety of markers and of course you can go over those lines more than once to get that line variation. Lots of, uh, lots of tricks for that, but it just became a tool that I don't know, felt right in my hand, so. Was there any specific, um, see what I'm doing is recalling all the questions that I received uh, like far yes. more than once. Was there a particular moment or a set of characters or sequences that you were looking forward to, to a drawing the most? You know, not really. Um, I, you know, we've talked about this too, uh, including Tom and it's, this is a dream project and so like as I was trying to lay out what story I was going to tell and how I was going to approach it like I wanted every page to be something I was excited to draw right and you know I'm, I'm writing it too so I get to control that part and whenever I was going through with the index cards like at, at one point early on my idea was it's just him fighting like I was just going to have Hulk fights for <laughs> two issues and you realize that might be hard to make uh, exciting as a reader but for the most part, you know, I mean, these are classic characters. If there was something that I wasn't that excited with, I'm putting six issues on a page. I just focused on one of the other issues that had the thing that I was really into. How did you apply color to, to this series? Good question. I, uh, I, I got hold of that Marvel Age that has like the color palette and I scanned that. And so that became sort of my palette, my starting point, but my color evolves because like, I'm also covering 40 years of Hulk comics are represented here. <clears throat> so I would do things like when papers changed, um, I had hundreds of the actual issues and then I had 
uh, digital copies of the issues I didn't own, but you would see like changes in paper or changes in color palette or printing technology. And so I tried to mirror those color changes as you know appropriate to the pages that I was working on. So by the end, you're seeing digital color and uh, gradients and airbrush effects and things like that. But in the very beginning, it's that classic like 64 uh, color palette that you know we all associate with old superhero comic books. McFarlane was my guy whenever I was a kid uh, grab, grabbing the uh, the Hulk comics, Man Bull. I saw you drew the Man Bull cover, like the exact one that was like the first issue that I picked up. And that was the measles era, era of color separations where the magenta dots were far apart on the on the face. Uh, it's cool that you that you're, you know, grabbing from like all eras. I was going to make a joke about Baxter paper, but none of these comics had any Baxter paper uh, eras. I'm trying to think because I feel like I definitely looked at something Baxter paper related. Maybe one of the magazines I, I, or something. Yeah, it, it had some adventures. kind of special because there were those moments too. You know, like I had to have Secret Wars, Beyonder drops a mountain on the Marvel Universe heroes and Hulk holds up the mountain. That's one of his proudest moments. So you can <laughs> bet that's represented in here. But you know, I, I was looking at that stuff, annuals, things like that, you know, trying to trying to incorporate it. If he had a, a significant guest spot somewhere, like try to work that in. Um, Hulk's a man, you know, 40, 40 years is a lot. So there are certainly some moments that aren't covered, but by and large, you know, it's it's the best of the best for the Hulk. There was, there was really no connective tissue very much in the first like bunch of decades, maybe man, 20 years. It's just, it's just fight of the month or something. Is, when you read all this material together, are you able to figure out some kind of through line and did you put that in there? Yes, uh, I don't know if everyone will love that through line, but it's there are ludicrous parts. Everybody dies, everybody comes back. <laughs> um, you know, some of them die three or four times. Uh, and I kind of mentioned that, you know, we talked about like similarities to something like a Fletcher Hanks t type of storytelling. Um, a lot of these comics were when your average comics reader would have been seven. And I want to capture that, you know, like I, like I said, I was six whenever I would see this stuff. So it's definitely a different tone. Um, but in terms of storyline, there's not a lot of development until you get to Bill Mantlo in like the late 200s. Uh, he, he has a, a maybe a year or two run that's kind of pivotal, pivotal. And Peter David would talk about like, you know, that's where you get the stuff of uh, young Bruce Banner being abused by his father. And, you know, the idea of maybe that causes this split personality that becomes the Hulk in some of David's run. Um, so Bill Mantlo brought in some character ideas that we really hadn't seen. Up to that point, it was monster of the of the month kind of club. Very cool, very fun. But when you read 300 of those, reading all of this was an experience. I think any, any uh, big comics fan, I would encourage them to do that. Find some character and try to read the whole run. It's really interesting. It's, it's kind of a weird experience. Like you see everything change. You, you know, you see the, the ads and stuff that are in the books. Like it's just this world of difference, you know, a couple of generations worth of time passes. And that's an interesting reading experience. But when some of it is like from the sixties and really aimed at kids, man, you read, 20 of those a night for two weeks, your brain, it, it does something. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's a positive thing. <laughs> we did the, uh, we did that one video on the narrative corpse. The, uh, the idea was that uh, a cartoonist draws three panels, hands it off. Another cartoonist does another three and so on and so forth. And serialized periodical comics, they work that way. It's, you got your team that's does their thing. Uh, 
he then a bunch of other people got to got to pick up that slack when i did the x-men uh series grand design the neil adams x-men's uh when they're in the savage land they're uh they're they're x-men are in a ship and they're getting some weird beacon is is identifying some some mutant but it's not the mutants that they're there to, to find or so or like it's the sentinels discover mutant i forget exactly what that was a thread that was never picked up on again so it gave me some room to play with because in 40 years or something like that was never expanded upon at all uh were there any weird dangling threads that you're you're proud of or or uh is it pretty tight would you say because it's pretty simple right it's introduce a monster kick the monster's butt it, it, it's very tight. I think it's very different than Claremont, who would run all of those subplots or, or sort of plant seeds that maybe planted too many and doesn't get back to. This was before. This was before Claremont, so oh, so gotcha. it would be like Roy Thomas and stuff. And then it was just something that was forgotten about and just never talked about. Except I think because Burns a big nerd in that X Men Hidden Years, like he he did his version or something and expanded on that. But the the biggest stuff is uh, occasionally the Hulk might be smart. How does that work? And man? it doesn't always get explained. Sometimes like the Hulk will be a little bit different that way. And then we don't see that again. Like it's back to the normal brutish Hulk. And you're like, did that, was he smart for an issue? Or was, you know, like he was talking more normally than the Hulk smash right. uh, kind of stuff. And it's easy to miss it at first, but sometimes that is played up. And it is a very thing like, oh, he was exposed to more radiation. And now, you know, he has Dr. Banner's uh, intellect or whatever. Uh, for a little bit. And that comes and goes in ways that is just not really addressed. And the way I interpreted that was he is exposed to ungodly amounts of gamma radiation because like once the first bomb goes off, then things happen where it's like, I'm going to cure myself by giving myself more radiation. They blast him into space to expose him to more radiation. And this all happens early. Like he probably gets half a dozen doses of it in the first, you know, two years but it becomes like ongoing. Like he's constantly being exposed to either a gamma bomb explodes near him, you know, the, the leader puts one off where Hulk's at ground zero, or he's exposing himself. Like more than once he's cured and then willingly exposes himself to go back into the Hulk. And you gotta think like, what is this indicative of? You know, like it's a mental illness or who knows? Like he's been exposed to so much radiation. It's not just that first gamma bomb. It becomes like an ongoing piece. And that allows a lot of like, okay, now he's, you know, gray again or smart or dumb or, you know, whatever. But it feels like that's sort of this deus ex machina that shows up when we need it or when we need a change. Let's add some gamma radiation to his life again. When the starting pistol goes off, man, it's time to start making comics. Uh, was there a lot of editorial uh, insight? Uh, were you able to do your thing? What's your experience been like working with uh, Marvel doing this thing? <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been different than whatever I expected. You know, my original editor was Chris Robinson and uh, I started working on it before we actually finalized contracts. And then it was like, hold up, hold up. We haven't, you know, we haven't, don't do that yet. I was turning in pages and he's like, wait a second, because there was just a couple of things to work out. It, it was right, uh, now that I remember, it was right like COVID is happening. Right, well, right at the beginning, right? It was right before that because I started it like uh, maybe around Christmas or something like this was going to be my next project. And then we had a little hiccup with the contract and it was like, hold on. And then I did, uh, that's when I did Octobriana when I drew Octobriana, cause it was like, well, it's gonna take a couple weeks to sort this out. I didn't wanna do nothing. So I did another comic book. Um, contracts get signed. I start working and I get the call from my editor, Chris Robinson, 
who I think he was furloughed at, or, or going to be furloughed because of the shutdown of, with COVID. And Marvel had the thing where freelancers were told, like, put your pencils down. And so I got that call. And that's when I did the Kickstarter for Octobriana. Um, and then another editor came on um, after that because Chris didn't come back. And I think at that point, like I was just free to go. I never had a, an editorial meeting. I still haven't had an editorial meeting. Right. Uh, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. In, in certain ways. You know, like this is a weird project, the Grand Designs. You know, this is not the X offices and careful plotting and coordinating a bunch of different creators and books. Part of this project, as you established it, was here's a cartoonist that's used to doing everything themselves. And I think that's part of uh, the way at least my current editor, Will Moss, sort of looks at this. Like, I know you work differently, here's space. Um, you know, and I would turn in pages so they were seeing what I was doing. I'm sure if I did something that crossed some line, I would hear about it. But it was mostly an acknowledgement of they got the pages, look good, you know, keep going. But nothing like, we need a detailed script that we're <laughs> gonna then give you notes back on. Um, nothing like that. And, you know, after a f sending in a few pages, then it became like, oh, I have this idea. I'm just going to go for it. And I think the things really started to grow at that point where it was like, nobody's telling me no. You know, if I want to put Lou Ferrigno in there, I'll try it. And they might still tell me no. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, in my mind, like the more freedom they gave me to go, the more it was like, I'm so excited to do, you know, let me homage uh, Jim Starlin's issue or let me do uh, Todd McFarlane, let me redraw a comic book cover in the actual pages, you know? So it became whatever ideas I had, put them down and see if I can make it work as a page. Like I have logos and ad like ads within the pages that are that mirror old Marvel ads because that was such a big part of the comic books that I loved and the comic book reading experience. So, you know, it really just became like, how can I make the coolest Hulk comic ever? I do. I do think I remember seeing a hostess ad or two with the Incredible Hulk, uh, and some, <laughs> he's had quite a few hostess ads and some like you know dotted line coupons included. You know what I like to think of uh, being like a, the single creator to make the entire project. I would fantasize about it being like you're the Simon Kirby shop, just working with this publisher and like turning like here's a comic you can publish this or not. You know, rather than just that assembly line Keebler Elf type stuff. Man. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I really do have to commend that part of it. Like, it really feels like my comic, um, you know, obviously using Marvel's toys, but in terms of just like a creative, you know, like I stand behind this, this was my full effort. This was the best I could do. Love it. Uh, you know, no corners uh, 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 cut or anything because like they let me go and I tried to make the best comic I could as a, in, in return. When's this sucker coming out again? March, 2022. So you got two issues of uh, X-Men Grand Design. Inevitably, it must be collected in a treasury edition, which uh, because you're Jim Rugg, it's not the biggest book or image area you've ever designed for, <laughs> but it's pretty nice size. Uh, so explain the process of that a little bit. Uh, you got to do... You got to do the table of contents page, right? Well, that's your doing, Ed. You, you've sort of set the stage for certain elements that need to be in these grand designs. Blame, and, blame uh, it on John Romita. A, a killer table of contents, you gotta very do important. Got to be competitive. Um, you know, you and Tom both nail that. So that's uh, one of my table of contents pages. I actually have another one that I'm that I'm in the process uh, of doing. Hold, hold now. that back up, man. Let me look at those corners. I'm looking at a Kirby up top. I'm looking at a Marie Severin uh, by your by your uh, finger up there. Bottom is uh, is that. Trimpy and uh, Salbusema. That's right, Salbusema yeah. and Trimpy. Yeah, Money. very, very good. Money. Uh, very sharp. So, 
um, you know, putting that together for the regular issues as well. And um, the one thing that I did lobby uh, Marvel about is getting to design the big book. Yeah. Because those collections are spectacular that they've done so far already with the grand designs. Um, it's a big canvas. You know, yeah. it may not be the biggest canvas I've ever done as a book designer, but it's probably the biggest one I've done for comic books that I'm making. So I'm super psyched. You know, I'm, I'm already started on like end pages and, and all of that. And uh, that was something that they, they were happy to concede to me. And again, you know, uh, there may be things that they say pull back or do more of this or that. Uh, I definitely send stuff in to have them look at it to get some input. But for the most part, I look at it as this is my chance to just design an amazing book. You know, like I have all the grand designs sitting on my shelf next to where I work. I pull them out. I look at them. I think about like, what's the Hulk version of this? What can I do with a spot varnish on the cover? Um, the end pages, you know, look good in all of the grand designs. So I'm trying to bring some 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 stuff to the end pages to uh, be competitive, if you will. And, you know, there's there's ancillary things like I, I put out some of these, which are me working on logos and you know for any of the uh the designers at home that are interested in this kind of stuff you know you can see me doing these kind of uh work throughs to try to get the logos into shape into into something that i want to use and that looks good with the artwork so there's still work to be done and i am still in the middle of that stuff i have no idea when the book collection will, will come out you know you release the issues first and then i don't know six months or eight months or something down the road i assume it will be next year but that is not scheduled or figured out yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they should be getting in touch with you soon because it gets solicited far earlier than your just your average comic books, man. And I have been working on the cover for that one too. So whenever uh, whenever they're ready for that, I'm I'm ready to uh, submit that as well. Do you want to give the people uh, any Easter eggs or uh, any little little hidden pieces that uh, you you kept for the kayfabe audience? Man, I'm trying to think of uh, Easter eggs that I could pull out because so many of these pages do contain uh, little nods. But here, this this <laughs> this one, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, about. don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, man. <laughs> don't want to put that one on screen in case anybody objects to it that uh, that hasn't seen it yet. Right. But you know, this this is a good example of uh, paying homage to things. Like you'll see Frank Miller's Daredevil. Whenever you know Hulk guest starred in Daredevil. Um, this is kind of like taken out of there and one more way to do your lettering captions, you know, do the newspaper headlines, which right. is something that came right out of that Frank Miller Daredevil issue. And that's kind of, uh, you know, the bulk of this book is put together that way for me, where it's, how can I reference that artist or that issue? You know, this is a really good Iron Man run. So you see like, that's in the spirit of those ads because like how many ads existed in the old comics where it would just be, I don't know how they reproduce them, but it would be like a cover reproduction that was maybe a little bit simplified or something for, for to be reproduced on newsprint right. small. But I used to just stare at those things and you know probably even trace a few of those in my day. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that is along those lines. This is a pretty good example of, of probably a couple of uh, Easter egg type things. And it's using logos that right. existed because I love these logos. This was an actual ad for the Defenders that appeared you know, in the bottom of a, uh, a letters page. Um, but you're appropriating it for, for the story content of, of your narrative. Absolutely. And uh, you know, when I was going through the issues, because I, I did have access to like most of the issues, 
I would flag letters columns. So I think one of the things I'm planning to put into the Grand Design collection is a letters page made up of actual letters. Are you going to be uh, clowning my people at Fantagraphics? <laughs> Kim Thompson does have a letter in there. <laughs> it's a somebody, review of, uh, I think, Wolverine's first appearance. Does Eric serves. Reynolds have one in there? I think he might have one, too. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there are quite a few famous letter hacks that appear in the uh, Hulk's Hulk letter column. So, um, you know, again, it's just thinking, like, how do you make the best Hulk comic, right? And I love that stuff. And it doesn't fit in the Grand Design comic books. Like, they're pretty chock full. I thought about doing a letters page uh, within those and just didn't have the space to justify it. Yeah. But the book collection is a perfect place for that because it's really neat, like Hulk ephemera. Um, and it's stuff that you just don't see. It's not collected in trade paperbacks or masterworks or, or stuff like that. So it's kind of a chance to um, connect to that piece of the Hulk history. Uh, one of the things that I've been looking through lately is just all the Hulk merchandising, you know, because like a lot of those ads in the comics are drawn by guys in bullpens or maybe Joe Kubert uh, school students. And so like, I want to look at that and see if maybe I'll do a, an ad page or two that mocks up some of the um, ad art because Hulk was like top character at Marvel for a long time. So you've got sweatshirts and t-shirts and like these weird stuffed, like, I don't know exactly what they are because they're drawings in an ad, right. but almost like a plush Hulk toy or something like that. But there's a ton of that kind of little bits odd bits of pieces of hulk history and i'd like to throw some of that into you know probably the oversized book because that's where it could fit yeah but um you know that's part of the hulk to me is that meta stuff the idea that you know the hulk uh cartoon had a comic book adaptation of like the quasimodo hulk cartoon from saturday morning uh that makes it in here because even though it wasn't canon or whatever i saw that cartoon 10 times when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure everybody else did too. You know, like it probably had a much larger viewership than any issue of the Hulk. So try to get that in here somewhere. Yeah, it sounds like you were extremely thorough. Uh, there's This is the ultimate <laughs> statement on the Incredible Hulk, especially, I mean, just flipping through those pages, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a Kirby Hulk. I'm seeing like, you know, like I said, that Sal Buscema. Now I'm seeing a Kirby Doctor Doom. I've seen a Buscema Doctor Doom, a John Buscema Doctor Doom, like from How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. Totally, totally. <laughs> that's that's a you know like it's a really small, but but definitely you know that's one of those significant pieces to me. It's like icons on every. This page. is like a uh, you know like a like a Charles Atlas, um, you know because there's so many of those muscle ads that are in all of those. So whenever Doc Samson becomes Doc Samson, of course he's a muscle. You know like it's a muscle ad reference. Yeah. Yeah, the so, pieces are through and through in this thing. It's it's gonna you know it's it's kind of full of that stuff. Cannot wait. It's all of my favorite parts of these comics, and uh, you know those favorites aren't just from my childhood. Like a lot of them are from rereading this, and I, I read the series twice to uh, <laughs> some of the issues many more times. But as a whole, I read the series twice, and like I said, I highly recommend it for people. It's a it's a strange experience to read you know, 30 or 40 years worth of a comic that's sort of a, you know, continuity. Um, but it's bizarre to do it. But, you know, like those are the pieces that would stand out, you know, the, the weird ads, the weird things that just would repeat from issue to issue and, and maybe run for a couple of years and then disappear. Um, sadly, no Count Dante uh, reference in here anywhere. But uh, I think I probably found a couple of those ads in my reading as well. Has to be a relief to finally be able to talk about this stuff, man. How, how long ago did you finish this? 
I as of this recording, it, um, like, well, like what what day? Is it the day before Thanksgiving today? Yeah, I'm trying to think of when I turned the last piece in. My life, my my year has been uh, really strange uh, on a personal level. I've had a lot of stuff happen this year, and um, there's some stuff recorded in these pages that I'm not going to talk about. But Easter eggs, if you know my life, right? Um, and one of the final pieces for this, I actually drew uh, sitting in the in a car. My my wife has a convertible, so we'll like you know go out driving or whatever on a, on a nice evening. And it was like a warm fall evening and she was shopping and I was in the car like sitting there drawing on my iPad like like coloring the, the final page so it's a super nice memory for me of like wrapping this up under very good uh, circumstances after a, a kind of an up and down year like you know I think a lot of people a lot of us probably can relate to um, so it's a weird marker in that regard you know like what a strange year but we talk about it all the time. I'm grateful to have something like this that I could just really focus on and work. Fully um, control the experience. Uh, these pages, they, they do become a kind of a personal scrapbook where you do remember what happened the day you, you drew these things. You know, hopefully it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're stoked to finally be able to talk about this thing. I am thrilled to talk about it, but more than anything, I cannot wait to put this in front of people. So what's you know? the move, man? Are we telling the kayfabers to start buying heavy right now? Like go to your comic shop, tell them to put that on your, your freaking pool list. Uh, I need to see Hulk Grand Design hit the six figures. That is the move. That is the call to arms, man. We have been doing cartoonist kayfabe daily all through lockdown. Uh, we do it for free for everybody. And this is the chance. You want to support me on cartoonist kayfabe? Man, go to your comic shops and tell them you want a Hulk grand design. And uh, if that's not enough, I've got variant covers coming from some amazing artists that have contributed variants to this. But yeah, get the word out. You know, tell tell the stores to uh, order order heavy. These are self-contained books that you can put in anybody's hands. Um, they are suited for all ages, and uh, they're kind of the perfect like step on the Hulk. You know, if you want to try the Hulk, this is the perfect place to try the Hulk, one of Marvel's classic characters, and celebrating 60th anniversary March 2022. So this is the perfect book for that. And I am I am asking you, cartoonist K Fabers out there, make this book sell. Let your comic shops know you want a copy and um, put it on your calendars, you know, March 2022. A lot of, lot of invective on, on the net, man. A lot of people talk about Mar Marvel's been soft as cotton. A lot of uh, stuff has been corny, yada, yada. Here's an opportunity to vote with your dollar, put some loot down, grab this Incredible Hulk Grand Design comic. This thing sells, you're going to get more auteur level comic books from the big two that will sort of supersede the shovelware comics that are like next to it on the stands, man. We need more people like Jim Rugg making these comics for the big two who really give a fuck about the medium, who really want to put in that effort. 100%, because Ed, I remember whenever you started X-Men Grand Design and the idea was open the door, as long as it sells, We'll get more invitations for these kinds of comics, for this 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 different approach to uh, to making comic books, especially you know in in a Marvel comics, you know in a Marvel company, um, this is a very different approach. So if this book sells well, you know I want to do my part. I don't want to be the guy that killed the uh, bring in a, a good cartoonist and let them play with with one of our properties. I want to be the guy that's like, hey, maybe we can get another Hulk Grand Design. Uh, you know, let's invite this cartoonist in into. Uh, spend some time with a Marvel character. So, you know, I'm carrying on this tradition now and uh, I feel very proud of the work that I'm doing here. 
but to all the kayfabers, this is a commercial industry. Like if you want Marvel to, to hire more cartoonists like me, um, this book needs to perform. It does, man. Six figures. That's what I want for this thing. Cartoonist kayfabe, make it happen. Any final words before we split, Jimmy? Uh, no, everybody, uh, I hope you have a, a big tolerance for Hulk because this is what I'm going to be talking about and showing off for the next several months. Final question. What you working on, Jimmy? <laughs> Good to go? I am. All right, Jimmy, before we get out of here, may give, give him some final marching orders. Buy more Hulk Grand Design. <laughs>